what you can do to protect yourself from data breaches and ransomware. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Smile, the makers of PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro. PDF editing for your Mac, iPhone, and iPad. Find out more at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is part two in a two-part conversation with Paul Ducklin of Sophos. In part one, we had some general discussions about data breaches, our reactions to them, and why we should probably all pay a little more attention than we do. In part two, we talk about why security for you may affect security for me and security for everyone else around you, and also get some tips from Paul on how to stay safe. Let's go right back and let Paul do the talking. This is this is not very very nice of me, but yeah, there is something to be said for. I don't want to throw the other guy under the bus, but at the same time, if I can make myself a lesser target or if I can make it more difficult for the bad guy to hack me and you and the people, the guys sitting beside you don't take those steps, well, the odds are they're going to leave me alone and go after you. And so I I don't want that for anybody. But the fact of the matter is that there are people that just don't take the security seriously, and those are going to be the easy targets. Yes, it's a little bit like that good old joke about the two chaps who are out in a bush walk when they see a lion or a lioness, obviously looking quite hungry. And one turns to the other and said, what should we do? And sees that his his buddy's, you know, taking off his jacket and throwing down his rucksack and ripping off all his inconvenient clothing and uh, doing up his laces. And he says, what are you doing? You'll never outrun the lioness. And his buddy says, I don't have to outrun the lioness, mate. I only have to outrun you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there is there is a sense of that in cybersecurity. And you're right. It sort of feels as though that's the wrong reason to do it. But I think there are two reasons that, that old joke doesn't quite hold. One is that if we all do nothing, then the crooks will just rip off stuff from all of us. So we'll make it collectively easier. And the other thing is that a lot of what you do in cybersecurity does have a kind of altruistic bit to it. You're you're doing it as much for the next guy as you're doing it for yourself. But it's the best sort of altruism because it protects you as well. I think people, they go, I don't care if cooks get into my computer. I haven't got anything that important on there. I don't really care if they get at my photos. I publish them all on, you know, Facebook or social media anyway. So I don't care. I'm not going to worry. But of course, if the cooks get into your computer, if they get into your account, they're going to use your account to fish your friends. And they're going to use your good name to trick your friends into clicking on links and making investments or installing programs or doing stuff that they would never do if they just got a blind email out of the blue. Or they'll use your computer as a jumping off point to facilitate the next wave of attacks or the next wave of hacking or you know the, 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 the next wave of trying to break into somebody's website. So you're left looking like the crook until you can extricate or exonerate yourself. And so the problem with not taking cybersecurity seriously yourself is that you're not just letting yourself down you're actually you're actually indirectly albeit slightly making it worse for everybody 
So don't do cybersecurity just so the crooks will go after your neighbor instead. Do it so that they won't go after you. Do it so that your computer and your network can't be used by the crooks to attack everyone around you. And then go and talk to your neighbor and persuade them to take cybersecurity seriously as well, because it does matter. And we can all make, in my opinion, make the biggest difference. We'll make the biggest difference collectively if we all do at least a little bit. That, in my opinion, will push the crooks further back than if one or two people or one or two big technology companies do an awful lot just on their own. So I think it's like the the collective response really does matter. Yeah, that's a that's a really great point that is often lost in these kind of discussions uh, because it we tend to think of them as our decisions that affect only us, and in fact, they they affect a lot of people. Um, yeah, you're thinking oh, like I, if the crooks if the crooks can use if the crooks can break into your webcam, depending on where it is, then probably they can see what you're doing. But if you live in an apartment block, maybe they can see what other people are doing. If they can get into your wireless network and use it as if it were their own, then that's kind of one layer of that, that that's one if you like proxy layer further away they are from getting caught. And so you might not quite be aiding and abetting cybercrime, but you're certainly not doing your bit to prevent it. So I think that my analogy is that cybersecurity, don't think of it as a few really big, strong pillars that companies like Sophos or Apple or Microsoft or Google or whoever will put up to help you. And those are important that we have a good foundations for the cybersecurity building that we live in as a whole. Think of cybersecurity like the crossbar in high jump or pole vault. When that bar goes up, even if it's just by two centimeters, it goes up all the way along its length. There are, there's no easy bit where it's easier to get over than anywhere else. And I think that's what we want to be doing in cybersecurity. If we all raise the bar a little bit, the whole bar goes up and that affects all the crooks at once. Not that I feel strongly about it. So I, 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 I have to ask, what does a principal research scientist at an anti-malware company do? How do you spend your days? Are you tracking things? Are you <laughs> in the code? Yeah. Um, what or, or what exactly does that involve? Well, when I joined Sophos, I joined as a programmer slash malware analyst slash reverse engineer. So yes, I was kind of up to my knees and elbows in malware and malicious code pretty much all the time. These days, to be honest, most of what I do personally is write for our, uh, if you like, community engagement website, nakedsecurity.sophos.com. And if you go to that site, and I'd love to have you visit, maybe leave a comment uh, if you like it. Uh, that site is not about promoting Sophos products. Although obviously, if you were to ask me which product I'd recommend, you, you would get you, you would not be surprised at the answer you'd hear. That website is more about telling the story of cybersecurity and recent cybersecurity incidents in a way that a can appeal to everybody, b is in plain English and free from jargon, 
and C makes us all want to do that little bit where we all raise the bar, even if it's only two centimeters. So that's what I try to do is to take stories that have emerged in the media, like it could be a ransomware attack, it could be a phishing attack, it could be the arrest of a, of a suspected cyber criminal, it could be a flaw in some cryptographic algorithm everyone's scared about, dissect that, help people to understand how it really affects them, whether it's serious, whether they need to act now, whether they need to act tomorrow, whether it's actually all a little bit of hype and here's what they need to know. And then at the end of every article to give some tips that anybody, whatever kind of computer they use, can go away and bring into their digital life, whether it's home or work, or increasingly for many people these days during the pandemic, both, things they can do in their own digital lifestyle that makes them more resilient and helps them to take those little steps that they've been resistant to do because, oh, I don't want, I only have need a four-digit lock code on my phone. I can be bothered to type in eight. It's far too complicated. I want to try and get them across that little bridge to say, let's enter a world where cybersecurity is a little bit more important to each and every one of us. So that's the sort of the the long version of what I do. Uh, it's really trying to trying to distill cyber today's cybersecurity issues and their potential solutions into plain English in a way that doesn't just rely on someone, well, rush out and buy this product or use that technology or this is what's going to save you. It's more a little bit of technology is great, but how can you make it work for you and all of us best without you know getting getting hung up on just doing fancy stuff actually how do you live a, a in some ways a more simple digital life that's not less rich than it used to be but it's a whole lot more safe so on behalf of a lot of us thank you for what you do to try to educate and inform us um I, i've I understand security may not be the sexiest thing out there. As we record this, Apple is doing its worldwide developers conference, and everybody is so focused on all the new all the new things, all the new features and all the sexy things. Security, unfortunately, is not sexy, but it is absolutely necessary. So thank you for for everything you do. Um, I want to I, I do want to ask you if you have any tips, suggestions, ideas um, about how we can protect ourselves. And feel free to include uh, the products that, that you write about or that your company publishes as well, because I think that's obviously, if you didn't believe in it, you probably wouldn't be working there. So that's, that's anything right. is fair game. That is a real problem when you work for a cybersecurity company. You know, if I recommend, well, you know, encryption could help you with this, or web filtering could help you with that, or email filtering could could help you with the other. There are always going to be people who say, oh, well, you would say that because you work for a company that just happens to have those products to sell. And I like to think, particularly with Softbuster, it's kind of the other way around. We didn't build the products and then think, let's come up with a reason to sell them. We built the products because they we thought they were a good and important way of dealing with the problems that we had. So yes, I would say it. So I'll, I'll leave the specific products and we have free products for Mac and for non-Mac users as well. But what I think is interesting so far is 
the good news is we haven't got hung up on that old chestnut that always used to be the, the thing when you spoke to anybody who was into Max. Well, Max don't get viruses. Max don't get malware. Mac users can't get fished. I think we all realize now that there's 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 the cyber crooks are kind of interested in anybody. And it's not all about malware or viruses. It's just it's not just about keeping the bad stuff out, like I don't want a virus to get into my network like it used to be. It's just as much about keeping the good stuff in and not letting crooks trick you into saying or doing things that put you or the company at harm. So here I've got five tips, if I may. I'll try and be quick. Um, I think some of them, they work for any users, whether you're Mac, Windows, Linux, even OpenBSD, if you want to you know, like super security centric person, these tips will work for you. I think though, for many Mac users, they may be things they've overlooked because they've, they kind of hadn't had to worry about this too much so far. So the first thing, and I will get, I will get technical with the first one and get that out of the way. When you're looking for, I'll call it an antivirus program, even though they, they look for far more than viruses these days. When you're looking for an antivirus program, look for one that isn't just about keeping the malware or the bad things out. Look for something that can protect against things like exploits or you know, programs trying to do bad things to other programs on your computer. And look for a security product that has built-in web filtering as well. Because an awful lot of what the crooks are after these days is not just getting malware onto your computer, it's getting data that you're supposed to keep inside out. So go for defense in depth, it really helps. Uh, my second tip, and this is this, this is I think particularly an issue for Mac users in recent times, as with the with the more recent releases of macOS that Apple have put more and more security controls that require you to answer questions about how much power you want to give an app up front. Like, should it be allowed to read your documents? Should it be allowed to read your desktop? Should it be allowed to do all those things that you took for granted before? Don't get paralyzed by security pop-ups when they appear to the point that you think, I can't do anything. But on the other side, don't get sloppy either and just go click, 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 click. And you know, certainly if you live in Europe, when you go to a website these days, they're kind of obliged by law to say, we use cookies, blah, 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 and there's a pop-up. And you just get used to, where's the easiest button to click and you click through? So if you've got a Mac and you've been using Macs for years and you're getting those pop-ups from new apps that you install these days that say, you know, you will need to give this app this permission or that permission that you didn't have to before. Don't think, oh, well, I don't give any app any permission. If you want to use Zoom and you want to be in video calls, you're going to have to let Zoom use, use your webcam. That, that stands to reason. On the other hand, don't just agree with everything. Apple and all the other operating system vendors, mobile phones and, and laptop computers, they put those protections in there so that you can make an informed choice. And increasingly, apps will work correctly, even if you say, for example, you can go to Zoom and say, no, I don't want to let you use my camera. And it won't throw its toys out of its cot and go, well, I won't work at all. It will just work, but you won't be able to turn on the video feature. And as long as you accept that, you're good. So don't get paralyzed by security choices, but don't be too glib or sloppy and ignore them either. The third tip we touched on this, and this is uh, uh, perhaps a specific one, but it's something about lifestyle. Embrace 
that whole two-factor authentication thing, you know, the secondary authentication codes you need as much as you can, even if you find it annoying yourself. It's a little bit of inconvenience for you. It'll probably cost you no more than a couple of minutes a day, but it can be a massive hindrance to the crooks. So that's the specific instance. The general instance in this tip number three, or the, the general lesson to learn is the fact that something is slightly annoying when it comes to cybersecurity is a very bad reason for refusing to do it, particularly if it if it has a significant if it, if it is a significant hindrance to the crooks. My fourth tip is particularly for things like phishing, which is where you get those you know emails or instant messages or even phone calls that are trying to persuade you to do something that once you've done it, you realize, oh no, if only I hadn't put this password in that form, clicked on that link, downloaded that program, agreed to this security change. When you're sitting down to analyze something to see whether it really is in your interest to act upon it, take your time in case the crooks made a mistake. They don't always do it, but in many phishing attacks, you will find there's either a real giveaway, say in the address bar in your browser, or there's a spelling mistake that a legitimate company would never have made, or there's some little error the crooks have made only you would stop to see it. So if the crooks make a mistake, don't let them get away with it, make them pay. And in, as a carpenter or a joiner would say, what I'm suggesting is measure twice, cut once, whenever it comes to making a security decision. And the last tip, tip number five, is perhaps the, the simplest and the most difficult at the same time, but it's very, very basic. And it goes like this, if in doubt, don't give it out. The US government every year that the public service, um, when it comes to cybersecurity awareness month, they have a little saying, which goes like this, stop, period. Think, period. Connect, period. And what they mean is sometimes if you just sit on your hands, if you just stop and think about whether you want to do something online, you might reduce your online fund by as much as 2%, and you might increase your security by as much as 98%. So if you doubt that something you've seen online, an email, an investment opportunity, a phone number you should call, a security warning, something you're supposed to download, if you doubt it, if you think, you know what, I need to go and ask my tech-savvy friend about this because I'm not sure, I don't think you need to back yourself. And if in doubt, leave it out. Oh, and the bonus tip number six, if you would like that, uh, you know, a free security software for Mac or Windows for that matter, you can just go to sophos.com forward slash home. And our Sophos home product, there's a premium version, which you can run on up to 10 computers. Uh, so, and we provide the management console, so you don't need a server. So you can actually look after your friends and family, up to 10 of them. Uh, and that has a few extra features and that will cost you about $50 a year for 10 users. Uh, or there's a free version if you don't want, if you don't have 50 bucks, the free version is perfectly good. Uh, just limited to three users. Today's Mac Voices is supported by Smile the makers of PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro for Mac, iPhone, and iPad. The new version of PDF Pen Pro, 
PDF Pen Pro 13 features all the new capabilities of PDF Pen 13. Things like an updated and refined user interface, access to essential tools from the toolbar, including font and color controls, new redesigned icons greatly improve navigation, a clearly defined object properties tools gives improved selection of stroke and fill colors for lines and shapes and is easier than ever to access. And the new MRC compression settings preferences let you have greater control over the size of your PDFs. But for PDF Pen Pro 13 users, there is more. You can now replace table of contents entries, and that makes keeping documents accurate and up-to-date as entries change even easier. You can now use the Insert Blank Page Again command to bypass the stationary selector, hide the sidebar with a click, highlight colors in the sidebar, and much more. And to make sure that you know where to find everything, there is also a newly designed online user guide. PDF Pen is great, but PDF Pen Pro is off the charts powerful, letting you do more, better, faster, and easier with your PDFs. Find out what it can do for you by visiting smilesoftware.com slash podcast. PDF Pen 13 and PDF Pen Pro 13 from Smile, the makers of world-class software at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Thanks to Smile for their ongoing support of Mac Voices. Okay, so I can't let that go. Um, and I apologize for for this, but I know I'm going to save myself some emails because I'm a huge advocate of paying for what I get, especially when it comes to certain kind of softwares, software and products, and especially when it comes to something like security software, simply because I want to make sure that the software is current, that it stays current, that I'm giving the developer some incentive um, to to continue to uh, maintain the product. So I have to ask about the, the free version. I mean, I, it's obviously admirable. If, if, if that stops one thing for one person, it's great. But is, is it enough to go with the free software, the free soft security software? I can't say it, sorry. I'm probably the wrong person to answer that question. Because I, I like both approaches, like you. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with paid software if you think it gives you value for money. And you know, I think 50 bucks a year for, for 10 to protect yourself and nine of your friends and family, it's not an awful lot of money. And not everyone has 50 bucks a year to spend. So the, the, the free version's there for those people. Uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing critical that's left out of the free version. And the good news is you can decide for yourself if you install it, it installs as the premium version for one month. And then at the end of the month, you either decide you want to pay then, and we don't take your credit card number up front. It's not like those scammy apps that say, oh, put in your credit card number. And as long as you cancel within 12 minutes, we won't bill you $745 a week for the next 200 years. It doesn't work like that. Basically, you can try it for a month. If you think, hey, I want to I want to push this out to more than two of my friends and family, then you can pay and keep using the premium version. Otherwise, it just some of the features turn off and it just drops back to the free version. But the free version includes all the stuff that you need for uh, stopping bad stuff coming in. And when you're visiting websites, stopping you getting into harm's way in the first place, uh, which, by the way, is one of the reasons I said look for an, look for an antivirus or a security solution that includes web filtering as well as just malware blocking, because 
it's all very well to block malware if and when it arrives. It's even better to stop yourself going to a website that might have malware on it in the first place, particularly since the crooks can change whether it ha- the website has malware on it, depending on the phase of the moon, which country you're in, whether they think you'll notice, whether they think you're a security researcher. So something that can stop you getting into harm's way in the first place uh, is just part of that defense in depth. So that's the long answer. The short answer, Chuck, is I think that the free version is absolutely fine. If you find the extra features or the extra users useful, then uh, we would love to have you as a paying customer, but uh, it is not compulsory. Excellent. Paul, this has been fun, it's been fascinating, and it's also been informative. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I, I really, really appreciate it. I love the fact that your your positions and the advice and, and your tips are all very practical kind of things. They're not they're not the things like, okay, I, I have to um, tie myself to, you know, chain myself to the computer or something that, you know, there are things that I can do and I feel like I can then get on with using my machines as you know, with some sense of security. So thank you. Oh, it's a, it's a great pleasure. And, and uh, thanks for that warm response. Because I think that some people have this sense that cybersecurity, it's about occasionally doing a few really, really complicated, technically difficult things. Actually, you'll get a lot more safety and security if you do a few simple things, but you do them all the time and never let your guard down. Agreed. Um, I will make sure that I have a link in the show notes to the to the blog for you, the company that you write for. Um, but is do you have social media presences that you would like to advertise, or is the blog the best place to send folks to uh, maybe ask questions and interact with you? Yes, uh, like I said, it's nakedsecurity.sophos.com. You can also get us with Naked Security on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us Sophos Security on Facebook, and we have. A whole load of corporate social media accounts. Basically, if you search for Sophos, you will probably find us in one form or another. If not the Naked Security crew, then perhaps our artificial intelligence researchers, perhaps our managed threat response guys, um, perhaps our Sophos Labs team who take malware apart for a living and understand and you know uh, prevent threats from getting in in the first place. Um, yeah, we'd love to have you along, and uh, we have a, a bunch of community websites. So if you if you can find us in if you can find one part of our web presence, you can pretty easily uh, browse your way to the rest. Excellent, excellent, Paul. Thanks again. Really appreciate the time. I hope you'll come back. Uh, we'll revisit some of this as things change, because the one thing about this particular topic is it is always changing, and it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Chuck, and uh, uh, it was was lovely to be on the show. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. I would love it if you would go back and listen to this show a second time and take a couple notes about the things that you could do that Paul has suggested that can make you just that much safer. And and hopefully, if, if you have my email address, then maybe you can help make things just a little bit safer for me too. I would appreciate it. Until the next time, and as always, thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, 
Consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.